Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, hey, where you been? Buckeye talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to the Friday Buckeye Talk. From Cleveland.com, it's Doug, it's Nathan, it's Steven. We, I don't want to talk about it. Nathan doesn't want to talk about that much. We don't know that you want to talk about it that much, but we'll talk about it a little bit later. This giant records dump from Ohio State. We texted the word dump to each other so many times in the last 24 hours. Before the emails. (laughs) Yeah. And then we got all these records. Yeah. (laughs) So... We're going to do it a tiny bit. It's funny. We also got a, I got a tweet the other day from somebody who was like, I listened to your whole hour long, boring NIL podcast. And I was like, yeah, I know. So (laughs) the the question was, do I need a hobby? And I I meant to respond and I forgot, but I'm like, I just listen to podcasts while I'm doing my hobbies. Like why does one preclude you from the other? Yeah. So I hope that you had a good time gardening listener while you listened to an hour of rules so i think i'm just tr- like- i'm trying to imagine someone just sitting in a chair only listening to a pod <laughs> and doing nothing else so that they can catch anytime somebody says something stupid well it's, it's like just staring it- intently off into the distance yeah while we're talking about soft serve versus hand dipped but at least that but like the idea of like like just the chair like a stiff back chair with their arms on the sh- on the armrest straight yeah. up being like you know, that is interesting how Ohio's NIL law yeah. slightly differs from Georgia's NIL law. It's like I'm my in- grandpa settling in to listen to Paul Harvey. Now, yeah. it's, now it's us. It's like this is, you know, how like old people have like their shows when they watch um, those like daytime television shows. This is their shows. Stories. Just, yeah, their yeah. stories. Yeah, these are their stories. Except it's two and a half hours long and we're talking about soft serve ice cream and who's going to win the next Heisman. No, but again, that's interesting. Nobody ever complains about that. Right. That you actually could sit in a stiff back chair with your arms at your side and listen to a debate about yeah. ice cream. To let to sit there and listen and be like, wow, that 15-day waiting period for the NIL. I, I wonder if it should be 12 days. It's like, oh my God, go garden. Okay, so we're gonna slightly get into the dump later. But first, we're going to do Ryan Day as a quarterback whisper. Nathan already started writing about that a little bit, this a little bit, because, you know, we get the good texter questions and we want to talk about them and we want to write about them. So if you want to be a texter and send us those questions, 
Just, you know, the phone number. Come on. Is anyone there listening for the first time? It's like, I wonder what that text or phone number is. You've heard it a million times and you haven't signed up yet. Try it now by memory. All right. Here's a text question about Ryan Day that we're mostly going to talk about from the 419. It's our guy, Joe in Toledo. Should we pump the brakes on Ryan Day being a, quote, quarterback whisperer? I'm not saying he is or isn't, but he had one year of Dwayne Haskins and a generational talent fall in his lap. Tim Beck could have coached Justin Fields to the playoff. I really think we need to see how the quarterback play is this year to know for sure. Can anyone identify the falsehood in that text? Oh, I think I can. <laughs> I think I know what you believe is the falsehood. There are a number of things that I would pump the brakes on in Joe's question, even though I ultimately agree with the larger premise he's making. Yeah, this whole podcast is about talking about dumps and pumping the brakes because they're right. There are like four reasons to pump the brakes. By the way, when you're like driving on ice or like wet leaves, pump those brakes. Don't just hit them and slide. Little break, let off, break, let off, break, let off. It helps you slow down, but it doesn't lock up your brakes. I know there's anti-lock brakes, right? So, but just it's a tip. When I was learning to drive with my assistant tennis coach, uh, Sparky Gingrich, Mr. Gingrich, who is my driver's ed teacher, everyone called him Sparky. We were out in the woods in the fall, wet leaves. And he said, wet leaves are like ice. And then we, we practice pumping the brakes. So I know what pumping the brakes is all about. Edit that part out. Nathan, what do you think? Do you believe so? What, like there's three statements in this question, so we can go 15 minutes on each statement. But overall, do you think, first of all, that people do think Ryan Day is a quarterback whisperer? Yes or no? And if yes, I guess, or even if maybe, should we be pumping the brakes on that? Yes, I believe he has that reputation. I think that you were to ask across college sports, if you were to take a poll, somebody at you know ESPN or The Athletic or whatever is probably even doing this. Like we asked every uh, quarterbacks coach in division one, who the best quarterback coaches are. I think Ryan day's name would come up pretty prominently in that discussion. And I think it's because of Dwayne Haskins and Justin Fields, but then also the reputation. I think he arrived at Ohio state as like, why did he even come to Ohio state in the first place? Why did urban Meyer bring him here? I think his reputation uh, and in the way that he sees the game and the way he teaches the game, the quarterbacks was a part of that. Should we pump the brakes on him being a quarterback whisperer? Well, I think you should always have that skepticism. And especially when someone is just getting started, um, I, I think it is maybe fair to say that someone, you no one, no one questions whether Larry Johnson is the edge rush whisperer because he's done it now for so long and has produced so many just exquisite talents at getting to the quarterback and, and, um, assaulting them with Ryan day. It is still more in its infancy, but I also think it would be fair to say that he's done it enough that he, he certainly, there, there are definitely people who at this stage of their career, you wouldn't even ask the question like, no, that guy's not really deserving of that kind of recognition. But I think with Ryan day, I think it's, it's worth asking whether he does kind of have that special something and can connect with quarterbacks and, um, and knows how to sort of nurture them and bring the best out of them. All right, Steven, I want to get your overview on this first. Again, is he a quarterback whisperer, do you think, in perception? And do you think we should be pumping brakes on it? 
I think in perception, yes. And it, it, it goes back to his NFL days and like the relationships he had with some of those guys going. He did a podcast, him and Justin, with Mark Sanchez right before the draft. And there's parts of it that are sprinkled in with just him and Mark Sanchez talking about some of the stuff that they would do back when he was with Philadelphia with that room with Sam Bradford and Mark Sanchez. I forget who else was in that room. And it's a lot of the same stuff they're still doing today. And so I think his reputation has been QB whisperer, a great quarterback developer. And that's his reputation among the recruits i think he's not necessarily at the i think he might be where larry johnson was when larry johnson first got to ohio state where he had a couple under his belt already but then it just got ridiculous after he had the bosa brothers and chase young and so he's had two guys already and now he's getting to the point where we'll see what happens with kyle quinn cj whoever's next so one thing that i'm curious about is when your quarterback goes on after you're done with him. Is it better for your reputation if your quarterback goes on and is awesome? Or is it better for your reputation if your quarterback goes on and isn't that great? Because if your quarterback goes on and is awesome, it's like, wow, look at what that quarterback whisperer taught him. Now he's gone out into the world with all the knowledge gathered from the whisperer. He's good to go. But if the guy that you're whispering to goes out into the world, and isn't that great. It's like, wow, that whisperer was so good whispering. And then once the guy was gone and his ear was too far away and the whisperer's going, hey, watch your footwork. Watch. But see, I'm not whispering. I'm whispering into the mic. Watch your footwork. Make sure you think about your footwork before every throw. Right. You guys heard that. Now I'm over here. Watch your footwork. You probably can't hear that as well. The whispering is less effective. So, for instance, Who has Lincoln Riley whispered to? He whispered to Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray. They're NFL quarterbacks. Who has Ryan Day whispered to? Well, let's not forget he whispered to JT Barrett, and then he whispered to Dwayne Haskins. And they're not starting in the NFL right now. So, like, Nathan, so does that mean that Ryan Lincoln Riley is a better whisperer? because his guys go on and are good in the pros or is Ryan day a better whisperer because he was whispering to guys who actually aren't starting NFL quarterbacks, but yet he got a high level of play out of them, which is better for the whisperer. Well, again, that's why I think his reputation in this regard is still a little bit in um, sort of a purgatory because I feel like Dwayne Haskins is the best example, right? One full season of Dwayne Haskins as a starter, and he goes out and has a fantastic season. And it was one of the things that I was going to pump the brakes on. And Joe's question was that, well, it was only this one season. But like, if you go back and look at that season, it actually, I don't know if I want to go into the whole thing. That may be a separate question for us all to answer. But it was more than just volume. There was, there was a high execution of quarterback play in that season. And he played the best quarterback of his life under Ryan Day for that season. And then since has gone on and not been able to replicate that in the NFL. So I think then he serves as kind of both the evidence for and against Ryan Day being a quarterback whisperer at the same time almost. I think that Ryan Day still just needs to put more examples out into the world. And that it's still kind of a small sample size as to whether or not he deserves that full quarterback whisperer mantle the way that some other coaches do. So a couple of things, one with the Dwayne Haskins things, it's just hard because that's the example. And part of Dwayne Haskins failures at the next level aren't all because are, are all football related. Some of it is just his off the field maturity issues, which Urban kind of hinted at at times when he was at Ohio State. And so when you're not into that, in that, you know, 
I guess, you know, program that's like basically got your whole day planned out. Things like what's going on with Dwayne Haskins can happen. But also, I think this is the difference between a guy being a QB whisperer and a guy just being a really good play caller and being able to cater an offense to a, a guy's skill set, which Ryan Day says he's got, he's got a, they got a huge playbook and the plays they call depend on their quarterback skill set. And he is, I think that's what he's shown with Justin Fields and Dwayne Haskins and even JT Barrett is from a play calling standpoint, I can get the best out of this quarterback because I know what I can and can't run with this guy. It is complicating. Is play calling part of whispering in that thing when we talk about quarterback whisper? Because a lot of quarterbacks coaches are play callers. Not right. all of them, but that's common. It's like, oh, it's like if you're an offensive line whisperer, you're not calling the plays. You are beholden to the play calls to some degree. But, Stephen, to your point, I think it's a good point. But, like, I think I still would smush those together. It's like you whisper to the quarterback, and then you go off and call plays that match your whispers and set him up for the greatest chance of success. And so on some level, like I do think those go hand in hand. So if Ryan day, like helps Dwayne Haskins be the best he can be throwing the ball and footwork and reading defenses and all film study. And then he calls plays to help him. I still think that's part of it. Right. I do think and Lincoln Riley does the same thing. Yeah. But I think it's also, it's quarter. This is where quarterbacks unique again. There's a difference between being a good court. It's like being a coordinator versus being a good position coach. Right. It's like Matt Barnes might be a great position coach, but he's, not a great court. No, Kerry Combs. But we're finding out if Kerry Combs is a good play caller or not right now. But we know he can develop his position. But but With I Ryan- think. But, but this is the reverse because I, like we're talking about, could you be a good coordinator without being a good position coach? Because it's like we're taking away hmm. from his from his position coach coaching because we're saying, well, maybe it's just the play calling that's so good. Well, the reason he got to be a play caller is because he was so good at position coaching. So I, I think it's the same thing. You're such a good position coach. You earn the right. Listen, Kerry Combs is a cornerbacks whisperer. We don't know what he's like as a coordinator, but he is. He's a cornerbacks whisperer. Ryan Day got the chance to be a play caller and got the chance to be a head coach because he was such a good quarterback whisperer. Like I would argue that, like, of course, he's a whisperer because he wouldn't have gone this far because that's the basis of everything. Okay, so let's throw Kevin Wilson into this for a second. I don't know if he's an awesome tight end developer, but we know he's a great play caller. And like obviously he's in the tight end room because they just needed to give him a room. But that's not why he's on his team to develop tight ends. He's here to help call plays and coordinate the offense and whatnot. So that 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 would be my example to that is Kevin Wilson's probably not a great position developer, but he's a great play caller. And so that's the skills set that they use for him. And they just happen to throw him with Jeremy, Jeremy Rucker at the same time. Yeah, well, I mean, he's not even really the tight ends coach. I mean, they, they just jammed right. him in there. He was uh, a quarterback's coach. He started off as a quarterback's coach. And right. then once he became like an offensive coordinator, then he kind of started moving around. At Northwestern, okay. um, he, he does have an offensive line background, though. He has a big offensive line background, started mm-hmm. off there, then moved to quarterback's coach. At Northwestern, he was a quarterback's coach, offensive coordinator. Then he went to Oklahoma, and he was offensive coordinator and then tight end. Anyway, we're getting off topic a little bit. Here's, I actually think possibly, I think Ryan Day is a quarterback whisperer. And I don't think we have to pump the brakes on that part of it. And one of the reasons is this. I'm going to read you JT Barrett's stats in 2016 compared to 2017. 2016 is not Ryan Day. 2017 is with Ryan Day as his quarterback's coach and as his play caller. Because they got shut out in the playoffs and they said, we can't do this anymore. 
JT Barrett in 2016, completion percentage 61.5. The next year with Ryan Day, 64.7. So he jumped. Quarterback rating, 2016, 135, 55th in the country. 2017, 160, 8th in the country. Jumped. Touchdowns to interceptions, 2016, 24 touchdowns, 7 picks. 2017, 35 touchdowns, 9 picks. So a couple more picks, but also 11 more touchdown passes. And these are just raw stats, and I, they can be deceptive in some ways. Passing yards per game in 2016, 197. Passing yards per game in 2017, 218. So I think we have to admit that, like, the whisper part of Ryan Day, at least at Ohio State, starts with JT Barrett. And JT Barrett still wasn't perfect by the end, but he was not as good in 15 and 16 as he was in 17. And I think Ryan Day was part of that. I think Dwayne Haskins to my, I guess my point would be, I think if your guy is not as good without you, it's more in your favor for your whisper reputation. Dwayne Haskins was not as good without Ryan day as he was with Ryan day. And I've said many times before, I thought we'd find out who made who. And I think Ryan day to a large degree did make Dwayne Haskins. And the other thing is in terms of Justin Fields, we think Justin Fields is awesome, right? We just went through a whole draft process where the NFL seemingly didn't think he was quite as good as a lot of us thought he was. So is that because Ryan day didn't develop him well enough and the NFL saw him, he's not as good as Zach Wilson or Trey Lance, or is it because what the Justin Fields is not a perfect quarterback prospect, even though he was the number two recruit in the country and that he looked really good in part, not entirely. I, Justin still gets more credit than Ryan Day does. But one of the reasons that he looked so good is because Ryan Day helped him be his best. But then if the, if the NFL was breaking down traits, right, that they saw some things that maybe we didn't see on a day-to-day basis with Justin Fields. So I actually think Barrett, Haskins, Fields, it's not like Justin Fields is Trevor Lawrence. So is there, So he was, not, he, was, he was right behind Trevor Lawrence as a recruit. He wound up he went from one spot behind to 10 spots behind in the draft. Is that a knock Nathan, like on the people who developed Justin Fields or is Justin Fields going 11th and the career he had at Ohio state a plus for Ryan day. And, and we're not knocking Justin Fields. We're just talking about how other people evaluate Justin Fields when he's not with Ryan day. Yeah. That gets tricky because like it starts to take in your draft position as like an achievement. And that's a tricky thing, right? I mean, the difference between being a first-round pick and a fourth-round pick is a difference in achievement. But the difference in between being a the number one pick and the number 11 pick or the number whatever pick is it's a very subjective thing. No, but and the league, but, 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 but it's, a, it's an important subjective thing. I mean, it doesn't guarantee success. It's like right now, this is how he's evaluated. And Justin Fields was seemingly not by just one team, but was evaluated behind Zach Wilson and Trey Lance. So what does that tell us about Ryan Day? Is that like? But again, that's again that's tricky because it may have only been those three teams that evaluated just a field tire. But I mean, like you're caveating, like okay, well, I'm not. I'm just saying. But it's not like there are reports that 30 teams thought Justin Fields was the second best quarterback in the draft, and the Jets and Niners were outliers. There were lots of people along the way who kind of came surprisingly to a lot of us to this decision on Justin Fields. So let's just take it at face value. And let's not make that the discussion. Justin Fields was the fourth best quarterback in this draft. What does that say about Ryan day? 
I, I don't know that it says anything about Ryan Day because, again, I just feel like that sort of thing is so fickle that you can't let that supersede achievement on the field and, and those sorts of things. Like that, That's what I think matters more to me at the end of the day um, you, because uh, the opposite side of things, he probably got – he probably put Dwayne Haskins in a position to be drafted higher than he should have been. Right, which is a plus for Ryan Day, no doubt about it. Right. Okay, so then we can evaluate Justin Fields in terms of Ryan Day based on his draft status. You just did it with Dwayne Haskins after refusing to do it with Justin Fields. But what I'm saying is that it's a very fickle thing. It, it, it's, it's not... Everything's fickle. I mean, everything about the draft is fickle. It's people's opinions, but it's people's opinions based on what they watch. Like, if you're just going to say, I can't judge anything by the NFL draft, then okay. But I mean, like, then what are we going by? We're going by stats when Justin Fields has Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson to throw to and somebody else doesn't. Like everything's fickle to some degree if you're trying to evaluate. Let me, let me parse the question differently right after this. All right, we're back, Doug Maurice. Because we, 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 we don't want to have like a general discussion. We want to answer the question of whether Ryan Day is a quarterback whisperer and whether we should pump the brakes on that. Those are the two questions we want to answer in this podcast. So let's just answer it this way and we'll all give our answers. Justin Fields, does Justin, and, and, and so here's the, here's the options. Does Justin Fields, what he is, how he played, everything about Justin Fields, is that a plus for Ryan Day as a quarterback whisperer? Is it just even, or is it a minus for Ryan Day as a quarterback whisperer? What would you say, Nathan? I think it's a plus. I think him coming to Ohio State in the first place was part of that plus. You got to remember, this is a guy who was the number two prospect in the country and coming out of that year after that year at Georgia could basically have gone anywhere in the country well except Georgia obviously but I mean had his pick of and Clemson had his pick of really any program in the country to go to and came to Ohio State in large part because he and his family and his advisors had identified Ryan Day as a guy that could help him get to that next level and he also had you know people like Dwayne Haskins and other influential people speaking up on on Ryan Day's behalf so I think just him coming to Ohio State is is further evidence of that reputation and then on top of that I mean he was a first year as a starter a Heisman Trophy finalist second year a a guy who was at least a Heisman Trophy contender finished what seventh in the voting I mean those are not those are great seasons I don't know how you couldn't say that he got a lot out of Justin Fields two playoff appearances national championship game appearance I I I look at Justin Fields's career as being support for Ryan Day's um, case to be a quarterback whisperer Steven, plus, even, or minus for Ryan Day as a whisper with Fields? I think it's an even because I don't think it enhanced or validated anything. It's just more of the same. I, I think uh, to, we're going to throw Lincoln Riley back into this. I mean, I wrote the thing about Spencer Adler, and that's the example I'm going to use for why I think it's an even. I think Baker Mayfield wasn't even because that's a relationship that was already established for Lincoln Riley because he was the off- offensive coordinator quarterbacks coach before Kyler Murray there's a transfer fell in his lap, kind of like what Justin Fields was. And then Jalen Hurts was a finished product basically before he got to Oklahoma because he'd spent four years at Alabama. And so Spencer Rattler was the first opportunity for Lincoln Riley to have anything to enhance whatever his reputation was. So that's why Dwayne Haskins, JT Barrett and Justin Fields are the same for, for Ryan Day, where it's just what you thought he was going to do. I think whoever wins this battle now was the first opportunity to enhance it because it's a recruit that you're taking from scratch that you you go. You wouldn't pick that guy and you have to develop him from square one. 
I, I, I understand what you're saying, but we, I think we need to stop thinking about what Justin Fields did, especially in 2019, as like, well, that was what he was expected to do. Yes. 41 touchdowns and three interceptions. Yes. Like, holy crap. The, the, I thought they were going to go nine and three. I do think the idea that like, because, okay, Trevor Lawrence, right? We get it. Like some guys, yes, you're a great recruit and you automatically succeed, but not everybody. Like, I don't think we can live in a world where it's like, well, here's a five-star recruit. He would have been a Heisman finalist as a second year in college football anywhere. There's literally a hundredth of a percentile that separates those two as recruits. I think. And Trevor Lawrence never had a season as good as what Justin Fields did in 2019. Never. Well, but no, 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 no. I'm agreeing with you, Nathan. Never. He never did. So you're saying that you're so, so what's your point? You're agreeing that Justin Fields 2019 was the best college season that uh, that either Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields had. Yes. But you're thinking that does not say much about Ryan Day because I, Justin Fields was the number two recruit in the country and he should have done that. I think there was not as much of a gap between those two as prospects that we should have been that shocked that Justin Fields did that. Coming in in January. And being the starting quarterback. Spencer Rattler, you're bringing up Spencer Rattler. Spencer Rattler sucked the first two games of this season. Right. Show me, I'm the, I'm show right. me where Justin I, Fields did that. What I, Justin Fields was what, ready from the I am. I, am I, well, right. I can't actually like, show you from a couple Trev- of games from this past season. But. Yeah. Trevor Lawrence was basically ready for the – came in in January and went and won a national championship. There are times, Stephen, when, like, your threshold of, of like, what is good – it goes so far off the, the side to me of like, ah, I don't think Ryan Day, that's nah, even for Justin Fields. I just think it's crazy. I, I, like he was, They're not that far apart, so I don't think their expectations should have been that vastly different. So you're just, just because Kirby Smart was an idiot and didn't pick him to be the starter. But, but the whole point is people are idiots. Georgia blew it with him. Georgia didn't it. know what to, They so blew Ryan it with Day their Trevor. No I'm not saying he gets no credit. I'm just saying that – Okay. I, we shouldn't have been that shocked that Justin Fields was anywhere near the okay. stratosphere of Trevor Lawrence. Okay. I'm going to blow you out of the water with the rest of my arguments here. So get ready. All right. Dwayne Haskins, Dwayne Haskins in 2018. What do we think Dwayne Haskins was? Do we think Dwayne Haskins was Trevor Lawrence? Dwayne Haskins was the recruit they went to because Tristan Wallace decided to be a receiver at Oregon. Dwayne Haskins is not a five-star recruit. So no, is, du- is Dwayne Haskins a plus and even or a minus? He outplayed his ranking. Okay, this so is, is he, this, for this, Ryan Day, is he a plus and even or a minus? He's a plus because he okay. outplayed what he was as a recruit. Yeah. Okay. Nathan, is he a plus and even or a minus? Dwayne Haskins. And I was already writing about this in, in the in the post that got interrupted. Like I, In my mind, I always thought of that 2018 Dwayne Haskins season as being like this product of just um, like a volume score in basketball, right? Like a guy who's just out there chucking and he gets a lot of points. But it, he, he completed 70% of his passes and had 174.1 QB rating. He, he also had a better season in 2018 than Trevor Lawrence ever had in college. So absolutely, it, 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 it's further evidence of Ryan Day's quarterback whisperer status. All right, plus. plus. We all agree on plus. All right, JT Barrett in 2017. Steven, is it a plus, an even, or a minus for Ryan Day? Plus. Nathan, is it a plus or an even or a minus? I, I'm trying to remember the exact stats you said because obviously I wasn't around he, for that. He but got I, better in everything. He got, yeah. He, it was oh, yeah, he got it. He basically had a Trevor Lawrence season as a senior. So, yes, he, I would say plus. He went from 55th in the nation in quarterback rating to eighth. Yeah, yeah his and QB rating jumped about 30 points. So, I like, I don't, there, there's no debate that Ryan Day is a quarterback whisperer. And I do think that we have to be careful with recruiting because 
sometimes, so this is the opposite side of like when I yell at Nathan for like stars don't matter. Cause it's like, of course stars matter. Of course they do. Of course, not everybody hits, but a lot more five stars hit than three stars hit. The percentage is much higher. Of course, recruiting ratings matter. Which is again, a interrupt yourself. A misrepresentation of what I've said, but go ahead. No, no, no. That's what I do here. All right. So Nathan says stars don't matter. And Steven says only stars matter. That if you're the number two recruit in the country, of course you were going to be awesome no matter what kind of coaching you got, even if the first school you went to had no idea what to do with That's you. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying only stars matter. What I'm saying is there is there's literally a fingernail that separated those two as recruits. And then every and then Justin did a lot within that six months before they got to signing day that basically said they're on even footing. Literally. Everything he did showed that they were on even so, footing but, during but, the prep. But career. I'm not I'm not debating. What I'm not debating how good of a recruit. So what I'm saying, all, all I'm saying Fields is was right. So what I'm saying is basically Dwayne Haskins and just and JT Baird completely exceeded expectations of what, for what they were as, as quarterback, as talents and Ryan day, because of Ryan day, they did that. Justin Fields did exactly what a guy like that should be doing. But Justin Fields also had a jacked up first year. And Ryan Day, like Trevor Lawrence was, you know, we all talk about like, you, you know, you get a guy and you're they're coming to camps and you're developing this relationship and like you're building things up and the guy's studying the playbook. Trevor Lawrence was a Clemson Tiger for a long time before he got to Clemson. Then he took over. Justin Fields committed to Penn State. Then they committed to Georgia. Then they went to Georgia. Then they didn't play him. Then he was looking for a new home. Then he showed up in, in Ohio in January. And then he finished third in the Heisman voting that season for a team that didn't lose a regular season game. And if you're going by only recruiting rating, but like, I think you have to take up like his jacked up path to Ryan day. And then Ryan day with Justin Fields getting the most credit, but Ryan day. And we all agree to the point made earlier that like, well, he's came because of Ryan day. So that the fact that Justin Fields, he was here is a plus for Ryan day. But then I think Ryan day established a situation where Justin Fields could like immediately get comfortable, learn the offense, be the guy in a situation where there was no backup quarterback and they didn't have a hiccup, man. They didn't, they didn't even have a bad quarter in 2019. Did they do at while Ryan day was taking over as a first time head coach for a legend. They had like a perfect year. I'm not even sure. No, I'm sure they had a bad quarter. Sometimes when I'm making my point, I just make things up. Don't uh, tell the anybody. Quarter, the, 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 the first half against Wisconsin wasn't great. Don't, yeah. don't, don't include that part either. <laughs> but so the thing, the thing, though, thing, I mean, like that season from, from, from Justin Fields getting here in January of 2019 for a first-time head coach. When Justin Fields got here, Ryan Day wasn't even the head coach yet. They had to finish up the Rose Bowl or whatever. Like, I mean, it, from that moment, Almost everything went almost perfectly until the last throw of the season, right? Like it was, and that is both, that is a unbelievable credit to Justin Fields. I can't believe he still did it. I don't care what his recruiting rating was. It was a tough situation that could have thrown guys off and could have taken an adjustment period. Once he got rolling, we saw that, okay, this guy's got talent, but I still think he gets credit for like a seamless transition but I think Ryan Day gets a lot of credit for his own seamless transition as a head coach 
while he's still a play caller, while he's still coaching quarterbacks with a guy that ended up leaving in a year, because clearly Mike Yurcich and Ryan Day weren't clicking, but yet Justin Fields still had an awesome year. Yes, Justin Fields has an unbelievable baseline of talent that is right there with Trevor Lawrence. But more than 2020, that 2019 season, under the collective circumstances, I think is a huge credit for both of them. Whatever percent breakdown, Justin Fields more, because he's the guy who has to do it. But Ryan Day created an environment, not only for his team to win the first time he was ever a head coach in his life, but for his quarterback, his supremely talented quarterback, to succeed on the highest level when I thought there would have been reasonable room for a hiccup or for a slow start and there wasn't anything close to it. That's so my maybe, main point. Okay, yeah, I, I see that. I, I'm res- I respect that. That was a lot for anybody to have to go through in Ryan Day to come out unscathed. I guess my fight is more with the percentage and wanting to give Justin maybe 90% of it because because of everything you just laid out, that takes a special talent to for get sure. you through that and not give you any headaches. And J- JT Barrett, might, from an off-field standpoint, would have been perfect in that scenario because he's a leader. He's all those things. On the field, they probably would have lost some games. Dwayne Haskins would have been awesome on the field. Off the field, man, imagine – I mean, we just saw – I mean, he just went to a train wreck that was the Washington football team, and look what's going on with him now. Imagine him going through that and how, oh, that would not have looked well. It takes somebody to have both of those sides of that which is where I bring in the, it's not that forget the recruiting rating part of it. It takes somebody who's generational like that to allow you to have that seamless transition. Cause you can have all the plan you want, but if Justin Fields is unhappy, what if he gets homesick? Like he kind of did. What if he really gets homesick and says, you know what? I'm out. I'm going back to Athens. I can't do this anymore. Or he's just not as good as he was. So it takes both of those things. And so that's why it's even for me is, All that stuff, it takes a generational talent for you to be able to get through that and get to the playoff the way they did. But you know what I bet happened when Justin Fields felt homesick, which you just admitted he did? Justin, (laughs) believe in yourself. It'll be okay. Let's work on that footwork. I believe in you. And Justin Fields is like, who said that? I feel great now. I'm going to go get some canes. I'm fine. If you throw it, they will catch it. Yeah. I, I think that that basketball game that kind of got the impromptu like pickup basketball game that was like the thing that kind of yeah, got Justin Fields. Them, like, yeah. I, I have a feeling Ryan Day made some calls or sent some texts. Impromptu. Right. You know, hey, guys, who wants to play basketball with the now I'm Batman? Who wants to play basketball with the quarterback? That sounds much more sinister than I'm sure it was. OK, I think we established. So in the end, so in the end. I was, we didn't establish anything. No, so I had to answer two questions. We haven't answered a single one. And I was going to transition to the records dump. Is Ryan Day a quarterback whisperer? Yes or no? Nathan, yes or no? Yes, but. Okay, we'll well, that's more. the pumping. What's pumping? Yeah. We're not pumping yet. Yes. Steven, is he a quarterback whisperer? Yes or no? Yes, because even if I'm going to go even with Justin Fields, it's still two to one Ryan Day. Yes, he is. Now, should we be pumping the brakes on it? I'll, I'll go. Steven, go first. We'll let Nathan, you finish up the pumping. Nathan. Or Steven, pump the brakes on this. Yes or no? Pump the brakes on Ryan Day as a quarterback whisperer. I don't think we should. I don't know if pump the brakes is the right way to phrase it. I don't think we should pump the brakes, but I think it's something to keep an eye on for this. This is the validation year, I think, just given the circumstances. I do get that. But to me, he worked with a veteran guy that he helped make better, JT Barrett. He worked with a guy who'd never been a starter before Mm -hmm. that he didn't recruit, that he accentuated his skill set 
Dwayne Haskins. And then he took a five-star recruit and created an environment for him to succeed for the first time. Even though he didn't recruit him, he kind of recruited him as a transfer. So that's three different ways that he succeeded. I am not pumping the brakes at all, but I know what you guys are saying in that, well, he's never recruited a guy from high school, brought him in, developed him, done mm-hmm. every single step like that. Kind of kind of he hasn't had the chance yet by circumstance. So if that would be, I it's still last, would not pump the brakes though. It's the last check mark is the uh, ability to evaluate talent. Well, which is ty- to evaluate from a high, from a high school and then standpoint. Make comfortable, yeah. And then make right. comfortable and develop and have success yeah, yeah, yeah. with play calling, coaching, and yeah. creating a, an environment. All right, Nathan, last thing from you. Well, are we pumping the brakes in your mind or no? So I think of it more in terms of like, Let's let's make an a, a an analogy to like chess. You reach a certain level and you're considered a chess master, and then you can actually achieve beyond that and be a grandmaster, and you can achieve beyond that. I think there's a thing they informally call like super grandmaster. I feel like he is a master, so that's kind of like being quarterback whisper. But there's more to be attained. Like I think what Steven's saying. I think this next this next segment, this next few years, gives Ryan Day a chance to maybe reach just a higher status. Basically, if C.J. Stroud is, wins the Heisman this year, we're going to have to start calling Ryan Dr. Ryan Day of football. To be a grand whisperer. Yeah, no, no. I like the I like the designations, but I also like Dr. Day. All right. So Joe and Toledo, this is what we should just do with rapid fires. Like rapid fire is just one question for 40 minutes. It's not. What's the opposite of rapid? Slow fire. I don't know. Like what if we so, just did like a 64 hour straight podcast? Yeah, <laughs> just, you can, it's live so you can pot-a-thon. pop in whenever you want. Yeah. Potathon for real, and we raise money for charity. Oh yeah, <sighs> and you can take remember naps, we, but you have to stay on camera. Remember so when we didn't think we'd you, have like, ideas and whatever? People give money to charity to watch me sleep on camera. Is that what you just said? I've got a potathon right here, so I'll go right back there and just take a little. My nap. mouth, my mouth is agape. Okay, Do we'll come back. Potathon. We that was forty minutes of pumping. We'll come back and talk about dumps for three minutes after this on Buckeye Talk. All right, Doug Maurice back with Nathan Baird and Stephen Means. All right, let's get to this uh, records thing that happened last night, Nathan. And we have like three or four minutes to cover it. What mattered? I we just didn't want to do that much on it. People go read about it at cleveland.com slash OSU. I'm not sure it's a great long pod topic. What do we need to know? I love this three or four minutes after I spent like three or four hours reading through 2,700 emails and, and text messages. Look, it was just a lot of messages exchanged between Ohio State employees, some were Gene Smith, uh, especially the text messages that we saw, uh, Christina M. Johnson, Gene Smith, some Ohio State spokespeople mixed in with that. Um, a lot of it, just other employees. And, and really, the gist of it was just kind of getting a sense of the reaction that Ohio State had, some conversations that Ohio State employees and, and leaders were having before and after the Big Ten decision to cancel the 2020 fall football season. A couple of things that have gotten a lot of attention One was this text message that Christina M. Johnson sent to Gene Smith the morning after the cancellation saying, any way we can go independent. And Gene Smith basically saying, well, I'm reading some contracts. I'll get back to you. And then that was at like 8 a.m. And then by 3 p.m., he got back to her and said, like, nah, that ain't going to happen. And it was partially probably what he had read, but also a conversation he had with Kevin Warren, which was similar to what Kevin Warren was telling Nebraska at the time, which is being much more public about its saber rattling about wanting to go have its own season and basically telling them you can't be part of the Big Ten if you're going to do that. So this this has gotten spun as if Ohio State was really like far down the the tracks on exploring this or that Ohio State was making some sort of stand against the Big Ten. I know people want 
to believe that, but I don't think that's evidenced in the messages we saw. Yeah. What's the word that people are using? I mean, is it considered or like something considered yes. playing independent? And yeah. I don't think a four hour thing from the question being raised to a no when you're Ohio state, that's not considering it. So Christina Johnson is not even officially the president yet to her credit. She's asking questions, which is what a smart leader does because a smart leader doesn't pretend that she has all the answers. She asks questions. She says, could we go independent? Gene Smith, who's been here forever, says, I'm looking at stuff. Let me see. I think he knew when she asked. The answer is no. Because right. guess what? And this is what I said at the time. I said there was no chance they would consider it. And I don't think they still considered it. Because they knew if they went independent for a season, it would blow up the Big Ten. So he checked. The commissioner said, if you go independent, it'll blow up the Big Ten. And Gene Smith said, we're not blowing up the Big Ten. Now, Nebraska said, we'll blow it up. We'll blow it up right now. I will block. But and Nebraska leaving doesn't blow up the Big Ten. That's correct. the difference. And it's like, well, so, so Nebraska is threatening us something. Everybody's like, well, fine, threaten it. We don't <laughs> care. But Nebraska's like, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll... But Ohio State's threat was real. And Ohio State never came close to threatening because yeah. they never would do it. And if Kevin Warren said, you know what? It's an exceptional circumstance. Go do what you have to do to win a national championship. Every contract we have is void in a pandemic. Do what you have to do. We'll see you back next year with open arms. Mm. There was like a 0.1% chance that any commissioner would have said that. That's why it was worth Gene Smith asking. But he was never going to say that. And unless he said that, Ohio State was never going to do it. So they didn't consider Anything. And by the way, you have to be smart about this. We have the right, the public, the media has the right to these records under open records laws. But when people send each other emails like this, they're not thinking that. So everything, and we throw out stuff, you people should hear the stuff we throw out in meetings, random stuff. It doesn't mean we're considering it, it means that in private, you talk about everything. And so that's what this was happening. I don't consider this Ohio State considering playing an independent schedule. They did it privately between the two leaders of Ohio State for half a day. That's not considering. Well, I will say they do these. There is evidence in these emails and, and text messages that they do think about what they're saying in a email or a text message, because there's even one exchange between you and Ben Johnson, the spokesperson at Ohio State, where he says, Hey, I'm telling you this thing. I'm also going to call you and tell you something else, but I'm not going to text it to you. And there's a reason why people do things. Oh, I was in a secret conversation. I feel like a yeah, spy yeah, well, it's not secret anymore. No, and it I wasn't mean, secret in there. Time. That was the point. Nathan, Nathan's in there. It was just that makes me feel like that makes me feel like James Bond. It James Bond, because oh. a lot of James Bond stuff people don't realize is emailing spokespeople. James Bond's like, hello, press secretary for the evil dictator. Does the dictator want to meet me on a volcano? And then the dictator's PR person is like, yes, the dictator will meet you at 8 p.m. And then that sets up the showdown. But anyway, yeah, so there, there was some of that. But I think you're right. If, if Ohio State had even publicly said the things Nebraska said and did, I think that would have had a bigger impact than if Nebraska had actually broken off and gone and played its own season. It's not like even in saying. a weird way. Like it's 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 because of their gravity in the conference. If they had done that, I think the repercussions would have been significant. They don't have to say anything. It's literally a situation where what's understood doesn't need to be explained. Like just 
it doesn't have to be said publicly because we all know what happens if Ohio State leaves the Big Ten. While with Nebraska, it's okay. I think the, the, there was a lot of fans, and they were there was a lot of emails in there from fans who were complaining to Gene Smith and Christine M. Johnson, like, why aren't you doing more? And I do think that this was number one, they weren't privy to the true facts of the of the of how Ohio State had voted at the time they wrote those things. But number two, I, I think there this was an example. I think we talked about this at the time of like a a entity understanding its power. Yep. And wielding it the correct way that and, it wasn't just somebody trying to come in and 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 steamrolling to get its own mm-hmm. way, even though it was going to um, even if it had forced its way in retrospect. I don't know if that would have been a good thing or not. But it, at the time, fans were really like thirsty for blood, sort of that the Ohio State should just like devour the Big Ten from within. And I think Ohio State's leaders knew that that wasn't the prudent thing to do. And guess what? Today, the Big Ten still exists, and Ohio State played in the national championship game last year. I think they kind of did it right. All right, that's enough. I got another pod to jump on anyway. If people really are wound up about stuff, we can revisit it. I just don't think people are going to be. Go read Nathan's story at cleveland.com slash OSU. Drop the reviews at Apple Podcasts. Try the texts. And, uh, you know, just read our stuff. Cleveland.com slash Buckeye Talk. Appreciate you guys listening. Lots of good stuff lined up next week for now. For Nathan Baird and Stephen Means, I'm Doug Maurice, and that was Buckeye Talk. Buckeye Talk.